is the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. Uh, we're going to put a bow on the basketball season today. I know it's sad, Derek, but uh, Michigan lost in the Elite Eight, got so close to the Final Four, lost to UCLA. What a heartbreaker, right? And plus, it was like a 10 p.m. tip. We stayed up really late just for that. It was uh, a very, very difficult loss. One of the one of the more, um, uh, I already said heartbreak or some version of that, so I don't want to say that again, but one of the more, I guess, gruesome <laughs> losses that I can remember just because of all the circumstances. Yeah, I think the only loss, you know, that feels worse tournament-wise would be in 2019 against Texas Tech because it just felt like Michigan didn't show up at all. But this kind of had that same feeling um, of, you know, kind of like a deflated feeling of things are not going well. It seems that they're likely to lose this game. And, you know, they got to a point where they, you know, got themselves back in it and had multiple chances to take the lead, had multiple chances to win it at the end. And I think that, you know, makes the loss even more difficult. Um, you know, no one likes to see Michigan get blown out, like ha- what happened, you know, in their first loss of the season, what happened against, um, you know, Illinois when they got beat down. Um, you know, no one likes the, you know, the way they went against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament, um, you know, last second shot. Um, you know, so it's no matter what, a loss is, is, is tough in the tournament, you know, with it being, you know, one and done, you're, uh, you're obviously – um, or single elimination, you're obviously, you know, hurt every time the season ends. But I tried, you know, more than um, usual. I tried to maybe, you know, be a little sentimental, um, which I know we'll, you know, get to today. But kind of focus on, you know, should have Michigan even have been in that situation? You know, you look at the one seed and you'd say, yeah, you know, they're expected to be a Final Four team. But, you know, all things considered, um, they ran into a team that got hot at the right time and you know, also played pretty bad basketball in the Elite Eight, uh, but played a notch better than Michigan did. And, you know, that's why UCLA is still dancing, and that's why Michigan is not. So I would say best way to describe it for me, just a deflating loss. That's a – yeah, that's a much better word, deflating. Michigan missed its last eight shots. Those final few minutes were just brutal. Um, more than the Mike Smith pull-up three, more than – uh, Franz Wagner's last second, last half second, I guess technically heave. It was Wagner's air ball, the you know, near the top of the key, wide open, and and when it left his hand, you know, I don't know about you, but but watching it on TV, it just it was like, oh crap, that's short. It was not even close. Grazed the bottom of the net, and you know, Eli Brooks did a nice job of getting himself in position to to catch that cleanly. And I know there's people saying, well, he should have, you know, taken a dribble or two out and uh, he may have had an open shot or Michigan could have run something quickly. Uh, but, you know, he felt like he was in good position or good enough position to just kind of flip it back up. And I can't fault him for that, especially, you know, in the final uh 10-ish seconds at that point. I'm, I really don't have any problems with the shots Michigan got, and I don't think uh, anybody could because 
by and large, they were good shots. Even the shot Wagner got at the end, uh, you're talking about a half second left and it's probably not smart to try to force something into the paint, especially because UCLA was defending it pretty well, but uh, you, you just don't have enough time to wrestle for a ball. And, and so, you know, Michigan, Juwan Howard, I mean, drew up lots of good stuff there at the end and, and it just didn't drop. And for a team that, that was so offensively gifted all season, that was just a, a very perplexing sort of finish to a game into a season. Yeah. And, and you hate to, you know, put blame on players. You know, these are student athletes, these right. are kids, you know, right. where we're getting old. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I will say, you know, I'm very happy with the looks they got, you know, all things considered, you know, even some all the way back to, you know, even maybe all eight of those missed shots, you know, you had Hunter Dickinson turn around and miss one. You know, I know there's a lot of people mad that Shawnee Brown wasn't in, um, you know, at a point there after he had made a big three, which, you know, was one of the last big baskets Michigan had. Um, But, you know, I, I don't think that Franz Wagner look, is a bad one. You know, again, people are like, well, he was obviously not having a good night. You know, why is he shooting that? And, you know, the result, you know, looked like, you know, from a player who was having a bad night. Um, But, you know, big time players and Franz Wagner is still a big time player. Juwan Howard said himself, you know, they want to be in the position they were in in the Elite Eight without his play. And, you know, they were very successful this season, you know, in large part to, you know, to a lot of guys on the team. But Franz Wagner, obviously a very key piece you know, he'll probably still be picked, you know, pretty high in the draft, even though he had a little bit of a slump there. But, you know, I like the look, you know, just like you said with Eli Brooks, it felt a little rushed, you know, it seemed like he could have come down with the ball and gone back up, but you don't know where the defenders are in that moment. You know, you don't even know how much time's left when you're within 10 seconds. And so, you know, he had an opportunity with the ball in his hands to just try to get it back up there quick. Uh, And it missed, you know, like all other, um, of the of the eight shots that were were missed late in the game, and the frustrating part too is UCLA, you know, missed as many shots. I don't think they got a field goal in the last you know four minutes or so. Um, they had like a, they even had a chance to put it away with a clutch three, you know, go up four and miss that shot. So, I mean, just a frustrating way to go. But I think you know more than ever, and maybe it's part pandemic, you know, maybe it's because I feel, you know, lucky to even been able to watch a full season. Um, you know, you start reflecting on the things that I guess you could say were good. Um, and, and so I go back to the fact that this team was, you know, essentially picked uh, to be, you know, a you know, sixth, seventh place finish in the Big Ten, uh, maybe even all the way down to the middle of the road Big Ten team. Um, you know, they had an unbelievable, unbelievable regular season. They had the, you know, the 23 day COVID break where they came back hot. Um, you know, you end the season, not in the way you want to one in the tournament and even the regular season. Um, but to lose Isaiah livers and and do what they did, um, you know, is still special. And, you know, just announced today, this is, you know, Thursday evening, as we usually podcast, um, you know, Juwan Howard's officially been announced the, the, you know, AP coach of the year. And so well-deserved, um, and I think that this team, you know, showed us a lot more than we were maybe expecting. So it's hard to be too upset. You know, I think it's just hard to lose to, you know, a number 11 seed at the same time. 
Yeah, you said it. I mean, UCLA was really struggling offensively, too. They made one more shot than Michigan, and Michigan's field goal percentage was just slightly better, but not great offense. If you were just a casual basketball fan who was like, yeah, you know, I want to go to bed, but it's the Elite Eight, and I want to stay up and watch it, uh, you were probably very disappointed in both teams. Um, the difference was that that UCLA had a big performance from Johnny Juicing who, who, you know, carried them with 28 points. And, and uh, that, that goes a long way when you're talking about a, a team as a whole, that's really struggling offensively. Michigan didn't have that. And so you might look at Isaiah livers and say, that's the role he would have filled, but you go up and down this roster uh, and, and like everybody at a certain point has done it. Uh, Eli Brooks and, and Shondi Brown Jr. Both did it against, LSU and we've seen Franz Wagner do that we've seen Hunter Dickinson do that uh, so it's not like they there weren't playmakers out there ready to take over it just didn't happen and so you have these games and uh, you hope they don't come in the elite eight but sometimes they do and that's where you are so unless you have any more parting thoughts on the game I, I do want to talk about Michigan uh, you know potential roster situation for next year but are you ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. I, I know it's, it's uh, not, not a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I didn't know if you had any great insight for us as, as you, you know, usually enlighten us, but um, Brandon Johns Jr. Do we feel like he took enough of a step in this tournament again, stepping in for Isaiah livers to be considered like a key piece for next year's team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't think again, um, you look at this class coming in, you know, assuming, you know, everybody, you know, officially enrolls and is on the roster. You never know with the, you know, some of the crazy things that are changing and, and last second decisions people make. But, you know, for me, I think Brandon Johns is going to be a key piece no matter what. I'd kind of, you know, obviously very different players here, but I kind of look at him as like an Austin Davis coming back this year, you know, a guy that could contribute um, is, you know, really maybe even more valuable because of his, you know, how long he's been around the program. Now, Brandon Johns, you know, and, and no ill towards Austin Davis, but Brandon Johns is, is definitely a better player overall. You know, he's still oozing with potential. I think we saw some of that in the tournament. I was very impressed with him overall. Um, you know, got a bucket when the team needed to in certain situations, you know, had great minutes and, and extended minutes um, with Isaiah Livers, you know, absence. So I would say key piece one, because of his playmaking ability and potential. And two, because, you know, depending on what some of these seniors do who are eligible to return, just because of the, the circumstances of the pandemic, um, I think Brandon Johns is going to be such a crucial piece of the team with that, from, the, from a leadership standpoint. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, you know, he was pretty good. I would say on average this year, sometimes he was great. Other times, you know, he looked like the freshman that he was, uh, there were times, you know, this is, this is kind of maybe nitpicking on my part. It's just something I picked up on. He, he's too reliant. It looks like on his upper body strength, you know, cause he's a big dude, obviously. And he's got a lot of upper body strength and that's where he picked up a lot of those offensive fouls. And I know it's natural, you know, for fans to blame the refs or, you know, to say, oh, he's only getting called for fouls because he's too big and strong. And I guess that's partially true. But, you know, I'm excited to see what he looks like 
if you can one de develop uh or maybe not develop because i'm sure it's already there for the most part but but you know learn to rely on his lower body strength when he's in the pose to develop his position and so he's not relying on those arms to move people and uh and then to to be able to work with his right hand you know we saw him do that on a very limited basis and it did not work out for the most part I believe that Michigan's first shot, or at least his uh, first shot against UCLA, was an air ball over over that left shoulder with his right hand. So, you know, if he can if he can develop that part of his game, uh, assuming you know he's back for another season, really can't see him trying to to move on to the NBA, even though that's like clearly in his future. Uh, I, Michigan will be pretty well set in the low post, even though you lose Austin Davis, such a great presence. Uh, a uh, really steady, consistent offensive player, but I think Michigan will be fine there. But what do you think about Hunter Dickinson? Yeah, Hunter Dickinson, you know, could probably be tempted, but, you know, the NBA um, is, you know, not a maybe, I don't want to say it's not a great fit for him because, I, you know, I'd be saying like a guy like Luca Garza is not going to go have success. Now, Luca has proven he can shoot, you know, the three a little bit better than than Davis has shown, you know, Davis hasn't shown any of that, even though, you know, at least in high school, he had some of that in his game. So I think Hunter Dickinson comes back. I think he will really benefit from doing so. I would guess, you know, kind of like a, you know, again, different player, but kind of like a Nick Stauskas campaign, you know, you come in and you can actually be, you know, the true star, you know, unquestionable best player on the team next year. Um, and what I think is the most exciting is if, you know, you look at this class and you got a guy like Musa Diabate coming in, you know, he's a 6'10 guy who's just a freak athlete. And if you can have your minutes go between, you know, Hunter Dickinson and Diabate instead of, you know, Hunter Dickinson and Austin Davis. And again, Austin Davis did the most of his minutes all season long. He was a little bit of a liability in terms of fouls. Uh, but, you know, if you have a, you know, kind of a, a big man lineup like that with two young guys, you know, super athletic, super talented. I think that Michigan improves at that position next year. And so, yeah, I think Hunter Dickinson's back. Uh, and I think that means obviously excellent things for Michigan. You know, because of COVID-19, because of the pandemic, remember like anybody can return. And obviously, you know, that would not work because of scholars, uh, excuse me, scholarship situations. But, you know, you're looking at guys like, you know, Mike Smith and Shawnee Brown and, and Eli Brooks, do you see any of them sticking around for an extra year because they can? Yeah, that's hard. You know, I, I can't, you know, I can admit that I can't think of the, um, you know, the exact, um, you know, with all the recruits coming in and the roster spots, you know, I don't know some of those walk-ons and other guys who's in and out. Uh, but I do know, that what is that number like 13 or something so it's going to be pretty tight if you know obviously everybody can't return and you bring in all these recruits right so whether it means guys are transferring you know i guess we'll see but if i had to guess out of the guys i would probably guess eli brooks um you know i think eli brooks just because um, you know, this is a guy who's been around all four years, you know, kind of that more normal looking fifth year senior uh, position. I, I would say Eli Brooks um, is probably most likely to come back. And again, from a leadership standpoint, that would be huge. Uh, I think Shondi Brown and Mike Smith could be tempted. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Shondi Brown tries and go test the NBA waters as he should. 
Uh, Mike Smith, you know, he just feels like he's been in school forever. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if even he wants to go get paid, um, even if it's not at the, the NBA level, you know, somewhere in the G League, like Xavier Simpson's been able to do, kind of going back and forth, uh, you know, even even professionally overseas. So if I had to pick at this point with how I feel, obviously, you know, all of this is fresh and, the, and these guys are all going to have to decide. Um, I'd say Eli Brooks, most likely. Um, you know, Isaiah Livers should go to the draft. You know, I don't see Austin Davis coming back again. I feel like that was what he did this past season. And then Shondi and, and, and Mike Smith would love to have him back, but don't feel super confident about that, you know, as of now. Yeah, I think what we need to be ready for is Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner, Eli Brooks, Mike Smith, and Shondi Brown are gone. And yep. if you can get some combination of them back, that's cool. Uh, you know, I, I would, I would lean more heavily toward, uh, Eli Brooks and Mike Smith in terms of like who I really want coming back and like combining that with like the realistic possibility of that happening. Cause I think Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers are for sure in the NBA, you know, I, I just really can't see them either one of them coming back, but Michigan's guard depth, if they're both gone, uh, it's going to be pretty thin not going to be great uh you're going to be looking at zeb jackson picking up a lot more minutes than he did this year uh i'm not sure who a true point guard on the roster is so i would and and not that eli brooks you know is a true point guard but he definitely has experience doing that and uh obviously mike smith was doing that this year so i think getting one of those two back would be pretty big just because of of the way michigan's roster is going to shake out. So the last thing I want to do here, you know, because like you said, we're feeling sentimental about the season. I don't know what it is. You said we're getting old. Maybe that's it. Not that old though, but maybe, you know, maybe once you turn 25 and you're 28. That's turn 29. Just so turn if, 20, any, if anyone's yeah. old, it's me. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Uh, I want I want to go through our top three moments of the season, and that you know if you got yours in a p- particular order, uh, I don't. But we can just pick through them one by one. So tell me what you got to start us off. You want one or do you want three? I want one. Just yeah, one so at a time. Mine, I guess you could say, are in chronological order. Um, you know, first and foremost, I think just overall. Um, and this isn't one of my three, but just wanted to say this. I think just the fact that the season happened at all, you know, very questionable of a decision. You know, we talked about this back with football, you know, if these things are even the right thing to do amidst the pandemic. So, you know, just feeling thankful that we were able to watch, you know, not only basketball, but great basketball. And even, you know, though this loss came in the Elite Eight a little bit earlier than we had hoped, especially three weeks ago before Isaiah Liver's injury you know, still fun. But for me, I'd say the first one has to be the undefeated start. You know, again, this was a team who, you know, was expected to, you know, be more of a middle of a road Big Ten team. And they just came out um, and played great basketball. That was fun to watch. Um, You know, you had that scare against Oakland um, and you thought, whoa, like this team is, you know, you know, only it takes overtime to beat Oakland, you know, even though they end up winning by 10. You're like, this team is, you know, in trouble and you just come out and you start smacking teams really outside of, I think Penn state was like the only close game. Um, and they just started dominating teams. 
Um, so that undefeated start, even though it was, you know, ended by a, a blowout loss to Minnesota, I think for me, is definitely that first favorite moment. My, my favorite moment or one of my favorite moments, um, Michigan beating Ohio State on February 21st. Like one of the games of the year, at least of the regular season, 92-87. That was a Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, the best time to watch college basketball, in my opinion. Just a great game that was so much fun to watch, and, and you were just happy that your team was on the winning side of that. But the way they played, and I, I think it's got something to do with football, it's like Michigan football would never, right? Mm-hmm. Would never be the top five Ohio State team. Especially on the road, right? Especially on the road. Uh, but but the way the basketball team went on the road against the top five Ohio State and, uh, you know, competed the whole time and found a way to seal it late, just like it felt like the perfect basketball game. It was so much fun to watch. That's So that's one of my top three. Yeah, um, you know, I I had looked at that game, you know, the the Wisconsin blowout earlier in the year, um, you know, has, has definitely some big moments too. I'd say my second one, and mine are more of kind of like a period of time. Okay. Uh, my second one is the way they responded after 23 days off. Um, you know, you, you get the, the stuff, you know, don't play Michigan State, you're ducking Illinois, but um, to, you know, they had that week of practice, but to, you know, go on the road against a ranked Wisconsin, ranked Wisconsin team at the time and win pretty handily, even though the score was closer than it looked, you know, beat Rutgers, take care of business at home. And then, like you said, that game at Ohio state, um, and then just dominating Iowa and Indiana after that, you know, I don't think you could have played better basketball after having 23 days away from actual games. So I just think the way that they, you know, picked up right where they left off outside of that one loss to to Minnesota is really the time that we knew that this team was really special. Um, and it didn't show up, you know, against Illinois. It didn't show up against the, in the second game against Michigan State. But, you know, still the way they responded, um, you know, we always talk about, you know, what's a team going to do when they have to respond to adversity. And, you know, we didn't necessarily – think through that a ton at the beginning of the season, even even though we knew that postponements would happen. Um, you know, we weren't expecting it to be 23 days because of, you know, state regulations or, or kind of a state call or a call made at the state level. So to come back and rattle off five wins and, and do so a couple of those very convincingly, you know, I think that was definitely a top tier moment. Yeah. Michigan uh, athletics probably went through the most unique covid pause that that i that i'd heard of um my my number two and this happened a couple times but the way Jawan howard reacted when his son jace howard scored including that that ant one uh against florida state right was that am i thinking yep. of the okay i i just pulled that from the top of my head i was pretty sure i was right but just that was so cool so cool to to see Jawan howard like throw a fist you know because he's excited and you know he would do that for for anybody obviously i mean he's the coach but you know it means a little something extra to him when it's his son out there getting a chance to play in that same michigan jersey and uh do what his dad did you know that obviously just meant so much to him and so that was cool to watch yeah that's actually right in line with my third one um you know i just think seeing Jawan howard this year in general and i think 
you know, timing's great because again, just announced today, uh, you know, coach of the year. But I, I would say just seeing, you know, how much fun he was having, you know, how well these players responded, how hard they play for him. Um, and he even had, you know, his moments like in the Big Ten tournament where, you know, he shouted some crazy things <laughs> at Mark Trenchard. Um, You know, very, you know, high energy, uh, emotional guy, you know, usually positive emotional, um, you know, brings a lot of emotion to the sideline. Um, you know, definitely looks like, a, you know, the best players coach and, and, you know, looking to be a very great X and O's coach, too. I, I just think his decision making, you know, how much fun he had throughout the season, you know, I think just, again, more of an overall moment. But just, you know, again, feeling thankful to, to have a coach like that coach the team I root for because, you know, he's, you know, he's the right guy. And I, I think that's become very clear uh, in year two. Yeah, crazy to think that this is only his second year. And because and, I was just thinking about this the other day, like, I don't know what it is because I'm not a high level basketball coach, but you just know he's going to evaluate himself and, and find all kinds of areas where he can improve uh, as as like the X's and O's guy you were talking about. Uh, you know, that's going to be really fun to watch, not just next year, but like going forward uh indefinitely so my third thing is the lsu game uh in in the ncaa tournament because not only was it a great game reminded me a lot of the ohio state game but i was there and it was so special to uh you know get to watch a michigan basketball game in person and had so much fun doing it felt like michigan fans took over lucas oil stadium even though like I don't know, it was 25% capacity or something. And Lucas Oil Stadium is a huge football stadium. We were never going to take it over. But it just felt like that. Everybody's on the concourse uh, uh, singing the victors and stuff like that. Just a great moment this season. Uh, you know, and it was more the feeling of, of being there and, like, being part of that on top of, you know, getting a, a, a good second-round win in the NCAA tournament. So, those are my three moments, and uh, I guess if unless you've got something else, you know, to to wrap us up here, we can we can call it quits. Yeah, you know, the only thing that I'm gonna say is that I'm just looking forward to you know first this roster management just to see what happens. I think there's a lot of great talent coming in. You know, a lot of great talent can come back. So, you know, one of the things that Juwan Howard will continue to to do and improve upon is you know roster management, making these off season decisions. You know, it feels like it's pretty easy for him this year. You know, obviously guys are going to make their own decisions on whether or not they want to return. Uh, Juwan can make decisions on if they fit the roster still. But, you know, I looking forward to next season, I think that, you know, this this uh, kind of the, you know, what, what made this season special, I think there's a lot more of that to come, obviously with different players. And, you know, really, like you said about LSU, I'm just looking forward to, you know, more of a normal season. I think if anything, you know, maybe it's not going to be a hundred percent capacity at Chrysler arena, but however many fans are allowed in there, you know, next season, they are going to show up because, you know, Michigan is officially a basketball program. Yeah, that's true. And speaking of being a basketball program, you know what this means. We have to start looking at football sometime. <laughs> I know. What is is today? April first. Yes, it is. Today's April first. Yes, uh, spring balls in action, and of course we're gonna keep talking basketball. You know, there's roster stuff and the draft and and all that. But 
our attention, you know, officially now starts to slowly turn over to the football side where we are much more pessimistic. This podcast becomes uh, much more of a downer than when we're talking about basketball. But I guess that's what we got to do. That's what we've signed up for. So we'll continue to do it. Um, what are we running up on here? 28 minutes. I would say this is one of our longer shows, but it, it's deservedly so. You know, talking about a great basketball season and, uh, you know, going to miss gonna miss watching this group of players because even though some of them could be back, it's never going to be, you know, the same group. And right. a lot of fun, a lot of fun watching them. And, and you know, best of luck to Juwan Howard as he tries to piece this whole thing together. I'm excited to watch, see how it shakes out. So until next time, take care and go blue. Go blue.